Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Jenna, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I'm so pumped that you're here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. This is super exciting. So today we're going to talk about health. But before we get into that topic, I'd love to know more about you, who you are, what you do, and what got you to do the work that you do today. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my story begins like so many back in childhood. (laughs) I was actually in a bigger body as a child and of course got so many messages about why that was wrong, why I should be ashamed of that, why I should shrink my body. And I remember just as maybe an 11 or 12 year old thinking the greatest thing that my biggest wish, my one desire is to lose weight which is so sad looking back now. I would see that star. I don't know if you've ever done the rhyme. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have this wish. I wish tonight. And every time it was, I wish I could lose weight. I wish I could be small. I wish I could be skinny. And just how sad that is that that as a child, it wasn't, I was wishing to go to Disneyland or to, you know, all these things that kids should be worrying about and thinking about it was that I could shrink. And so finally, as I entered teen years, I thought, okay, I'm going to do something about this. I I actually had a baby sister born and that was kind of my catalyst. I thought, I don't want my sister growing up being ashamed of her big sister. And so I really need to lose weight. And so that sent me down this path of nutrition. And in some areas that was good because I did start seeing how like moving my body and paying attention to what I ate helped me feel better in a lot of ways and helped my moods improve. And So I I started getting a healthy relationship with health in that regard and that what I put into my body and how I move it affects how I feel. Mm -hmm. And that was the good part. The bad part was because I was so focused on the weight aspect, I started heading down the path of an eating disorder, just getting really restrictive. I knew how many calories were in any amount of any foods out there and was, I wasn't necessarily counting calories, but just super hyper aware. And this was in the nineties. So full swing of the low fat era. (laughs) So I would stay away from fat at all costs and all that. And so I was getting restrictive with eating. I was getting overly, I would over-exercise a lot. And as I entered into college, I started finding myself binging at night. And I, of course, at that time had no idea why I just thought I was weak and had no willpower. I didn't realize it was because I was not getting enough to eat throughout the day and, and exercising too much. And thankfully, right as I kind of started those eating disorder behaviors, I got into the dietetics program at Brigham Young University and started studying nutrition. 
And I know for a lot of women, I've heard this can be a catalyst to make their eating disorder even worse. But for me, it did the opposite. I, I learned, and I don't know if it was just the program I was in. It was actually this, the Brigham Young University was the first school to ever do a research study on intuitive eating back in the early 2000s. And it was actually while I was there, I wasn't part of the study, but I found out later that the very first study done on intuitive eating was done there. So I think maybe they just had a little more neutral approach already. And I learned, you know, good foods, bad foods. I learned how we need food in order to, you know, have energy and to fuel our body. And so I, I, I started getting a much more healthy relationship with food during that time. And thankfully oh never got, yeah, fully yeah. down the eating disorder path. I was going to say, I think you're the only person that I know who had <laughs> a better experience with a bachelor layer, like going into dietetics and actually not being more triggered. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I've heard. That is so cool. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not my experience. Yeah. I know. It's so unfortunate. And I think it's hopefully changing now. I hear a lot of people going through programs now where they do talk about intuitive eating and health at every size type things. But certainly when I, back in the early 2000s, I'm not sure when you went through, but it wasn't part of the curriculum at all. No. Back then. No, definitely not. Like for us, definitely it's still, it was still very, very weight centric. And for me, it was like 2013, 2012. Okay. So not that long ago. Anyways, around that area. Yeah. No, it was not. It was not. (laughs) It might have too had something to do. The main gal over the nutrition department was in a bigger body. She was just like, just big, built, big, tall, and just kind of big. And so I wonder if that had something to do with it. Like she recognized help at every size before it was kind of a, more of a thing and maybe incorporated that into the curriculum a little bit. So I love that for you and for everybody who went to that university. Yes. And I'm not sure if everybody's experience was the same, but yeah, it definitely, of course, we still learned about ideal body weight and calibrating our fat percentage and all that garbage, but mm-hmm. it, that wasn't the focus. That was like one little teeny part of the program. So anyway, so thankfully I healed my relationship with food pretty early on, but my relationship with my body still stayed strained for 20 years. I never yeah. felt like I was small enough from a societal standpoint. I've just, I'm bigger boned. I just, my body naturally, I think wants to be bigger. And I was always fighting against that. And even though at that point I kind of had gotten my body to a, like a socially acceptable size where I felt okay, it just never felt small enough. And then as I started having kids and I've shared with you, I have five kids now. And so I have a child, I'd gain a little extra weight and that weight didn't come off before I had my next child. And so by the time I had my fifth child, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I like all that shame from my childhood just came flooding back. Mm. Like, how could you let yourself get to this size? And again, just feeling that that was a big problem that I had gotten bigger, that I wasn't the same size as I was when I was in my twenties. You just get all these messages we get as women. And so I just, I would struggle. And my husband was great. Like he would always tell me like, you're great. Like you're beautiful. I'm fine with your size, but I was never okay with it. And I had a pivotal kind of aha moment one day in my bathroom that just changed everything for me and sent me on this path that I'm on now. And I was, I was standing in my bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror. And of course, mentally just beating myself up about my body. And I had two really powerful thoughts come into my mind And I'm a religious person, so it kind of felt like a spiritual experience, but you know, you can call it the universe or whatever you want. But 
the, the thoughts that pierced my mind and my heart were number one, your body is amazing. And it really just hit me like how incredible my body was. It had allowed me to birth five children and to care for them. And I remembered my days back in school or learning about anatomy and physiology and just like all this different systems and the processes that our bodies do that just, they're truly miracles. And because I was so focused on my looks and how my body looked, I was just completely forgetting about all that. And I was being so ungrateful for the amazing machine that my body was and for all it allowed me to do in life, not for what it looked like, but for what the experiences I could do through my body. And so I realized like, I just need to be grateful to start appreciating my body for all it does, regardless of how it looks. And the second thought that came to my mind was you're focused on the wrong thing. And I realized that I had always been one that I I could tell you what I weighed at any point in my life up until that moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Weight was such a big, important thing to me. And I weighed myself regularly and that number meant so much to me. And in that moment, I just decided this isn't serving me like focusing on my weight and my body size. It's not helping my health. It's not helping my mental, physical, emotional, any of that. And so I decided I'm putting the scale away. Like I was just done with weighing myself, done with focusing on my body size. And I was just going to focus on how I felt and focus on loving my body from the aspect of I'm going to love it in how I treat it, not in how I like view it or think of it. I just want to treat it with respect and do behaviors that are going to lead to energy and to those good moods, those things again, that I, as a teenager realized that the things that I do to my body does affect it, but, but not from a physical standpoint, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to ever do anything just for the sake of losing weight. I'm just going to do it for the sake of being healthy and feeling good. So that was kind of what sent me down my intuitive eating help at every size journey. And that's where I'm at now. So I love that so much. Like you're talking and I feel like I'm just like letting it all sink in. Like, it's just so amazing that first of all, I love that you have an aha moment. Like, I love that there was like this moment when it just kind of clicked of like, wait a moment, my body is so amazing and being grateful for like all of the things and not just how it looks. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I love that so, so much. And I think it's so powerful when we get to that point of, okay, my body is not like a presentation. It's not like yes. a PowerPoint that I need to show off to the world. Like <laughs> exactly, it gets to just be and hold space for me and allow me to live a life. Uh-huh. And like it doesn't need to be the project. Like it's the thing that allows me to do all of the other projects. Exactly. Yeah. Such a cool thing. Yes. Yeah, women were we're just given so many messages that that's the point of our bodies is to be looked at and to be admired oh, and to, yeah. And yeah. I'm sure you've heard the quote I love from the the kite twins, Lexi and Lindsay, that my body is an instrument, not an ornament. Mm-hmm. I use that mantra a lot with myself. We're not, that's not the purpose of my body just to be yeah. admired and. Yeah. Yeah. And as women, like being pretty and attractive is not your job. Yes, exactly. But I love that so much because I think it still takes a lot of healing. Like it's one thing to know it and then it's one thing to embody it. I always think about it, the two cents of, I can know a lot of things first. Yes. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) how do I actually live that? Like, how do I actually embody that and feel that? Yeah. And I think that part can take, can take a while. But once you do have that switch, like 
it is really helpful. I, I'd love to know for you, and I don't know if there's like things that you can name, but once you've had that aha moment, I can just imagine that there was like Jenna before that moment. And then there was like Jenna after that moment that completely changed. And I'd love to hear what have you found change? Like how have you maybe approached the world differently when you're not no longer like focusing on my body needs to be X, Y, and Z? Yeah, absolutely. A lot. The main change is just, I just don't think about it nearly as much. And again, like I was never a big dieter. I knew the harms of dieting really early on. And so I was never like really obsessive with food or any of that, but still my mental space. So my mental space wasn't taken up necessarily from a food standpoint, but just the mental energy and space that was, that I was putting onto my body, mm -hmm. like every few months I would just get really depressed And for me, journaling is a good way to kind of get through those moments. And so I would journal, why am I feeling so bad? And a hundred percent of the time, there were other things often as well, stresses with kids and things, but hundred percent of the time, my body was part of that depression. I've gained so much weight. I just hate my body. Just so much energy and time and mental space given to just focusing on and worrying about my body. And now since that moment, I haven't had one, not again, like you said, it's been a process. It's not like I just snapped my fingers and all of a sudden all my thoughts had changed, but I don't get depressed and down like I did before with how my body looks. I've just complete acceptance and yeah, just freedom and peace. Like peace is the word that comes to mind. It really felt like that day in the bathroom. Like I waved, I just raised the white flag of peace. And I said, yeah. body, like I am done. I am done trying to mold you to a shape that you don't want to be. I am done, you know, thinking terrible thoughts about you. Like I'm just waving the white flag. I'm going to do all I can within my power, recognizing I'm a human being and I'm never going to be perfect to treat you well, as well as I can. Yeah. And I give you complete permission to just be the size that you feel like is healthiest and that you want to be at any given moment in my life, knowing that it's going to change, like our bodies change throughout the years. And so that peace is just priceless. Yeah. Like just having that sense of peace with my body and just being like, because again, as women, we're given these messages that We are in control. We can control our size. We can control as long as we do X, Y, and Z. Like we have control over how our bodies look. And I just learned that's not true. Like I'm letting that go. I'm My body is in control of the size it wants to be and how much fat it wants to store and where it wants to store it and all those things. Yeah. I can control what I can control through my behaviors. I'm going to focus on that and then just let my body be. And it's been mm. amazing. Oh, I love that so much. And I just wanted to point out here, because the way that you speak, there's just so much like, calmness and ease when we talk about this piece of like surrender, but also like just acceptance. And I think a lot of us and myself included, when we first hear this, it can feel like, oh, I'm going to settle. Like I'm going to stop caring about my body. And if I stop caring about weight loss and my size, like I'm settling and I'll just forever be miserable and hate my body forever. And that is not what happens. And yes. that is not what happens. Like that feeling of like, when we do get to accept, it's not stop to care about our body. I, I really see it as the opposite is that 
we get to care more about the things that actually matter. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, maybe I don't care that I have silly all over my butt, but yeah. I do care so much more about the way that I take care of myself and my body. Yeah. I'm way um, healthier now on the yeah. other side of the body piece than I was before because, because of that love and respect. Like when you love something, you want to treat it well. And when yeah. you respect something, then you want to do things that show that respect. And so, yeah, how I fuel my body, how I move my body looks much different now, now that I love it than it did when I hated it. Yeah, I love that so much. All right, so let's start talking a little bit more about health. Because again, this idea that anti-diet or no longer doing that means that you don't care about your health is a myth. It's not true. We can (laughs) still engage in health behaviors when we're not coming from a place of shame and diets. But I'd love for us to unpack like the word healthy and what does it actually mean to be healthy? And then maybe demystifying like, what if like healthy behaviors that are actually healthy versus like maybe what diet culture is telling us is healthy that like actually may not be? Yeah, definitely. I feel like health is such an individualized thing. Yeah. I always encourage my clients to to come up with their own definition of health because yeah. when we're focused on our physical health, I mean, that's great because it can it can certainly influence other areas of our health our mental, emotional, social, all those. But when we're so focused on it at the expense of any of those other areas, then that's not healthy. (laughs) And I feel like when people think health, they generally think physical health. And a lot of times they then do things for their physical, quote, physical health that are unhealthy in for other aspects of their air of their life. So For me, well, I mean, if you look up like definitions of health, like online or something, you'll get things like absence of disease, physical, mental, social well-being, being able to cope with demands of daily life. There's a bunch of different definitions. The one from WHO, the World Health Organization, is complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And when you think complete physical, mental, social well-being, is that even possible for anybody to have (laughs) complete... (laughs) 100% 100% is 100% yeah. health. There's two humans on this planet that are now healthy based yeah, on this description. Exactly. <laughs> like we've got to just realize like this whole concept of health is, like I said, it's such an individualized one. And so for me personally, what health means is again, being at peace with my body, no matter its size, like that is certainly mental, emotional health, having plenty of energy to just do the things I want to and need to throughout the day is health to me and not obsessing about everything I'm putting into my mouth, not spending a bunch of time and energy thinking about and planning for and all that about food, planning, having enough, you need to plan a little bit, but not having it take up so much of my day. Healthy to me is challenging my mind often and enjoying an occasional treat without shame or guilt and not feeling controlled by food. Healthy feels like spending quality time with my loved ones and my family and being in a career I love, all of those different aspects of our health have to play into our definition. And again, health is probably going to look different for somebody else with, it all kind of comes down to your core values, what you value as a human, but you've got to take into consideration all of those when you're talking about your physical health as well, because we don't want to do something for our physical health that's going to harm any other areas of those, of our health. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And the only part that I like about the who description is that it's like physical, mental, and social, right? That it's not just one of those things where I think like 
diet culture makes us believe that it's just physical, like just do all the things like fitness and nutrition is the only way. Yeah. Whereas like when we look at health and I love the way that you, you said it, it's like everything that's in your control, but like kind of seeing that piece of like our general health, there's so much of these components that are actually uncontrollable. That just is life happening. Like the genetics, the socioeconomics, the, I mean, I mean, there's so many, like all the determinants of health, I think 80% of them are not controllable. And then we get the ones that like, okay, what can I like talk and do, right? My stress and my food and my fitness and my health and like those things, but also realizing like that is 20%. Yeah. 20%. Yeah. I actually have the statistics on that because they are really interesting. And yeah, that kind of gets us into the topic of healthism and this idea that, we are hundred percent responsible for our health and just the shame that people get when they aren't quote healthy or when they have say type two diabetes or disease like that. And our society tends to put the blame completely on that person. Well, it must be because you're just lazy. You're not, you don't have the right lifestyle, yada, yada, yada. It's interesting. My son actually has type one diabetes and he even feels that he's only 13. He was diagnosed when he was 11. and from the get-go, I don't even know where he got these messages, but people would find out he has diabetes and he'd be super quick to say, it's type one though. It's type one. Like it's not my fault. (laughs) And so I know people with type two, like, it's just so much shame. Like you did this to yourself. You brought this on yourself. And yes, there are lifestyle things that can contribute for sure to type two diabetes. But like you said, that's the a small percentage. And I actually do, because I think these statistics are really interesting. If if you want me to share them of the determinants of health. So it is about 36%. They estimate our, of our health of our body size, um, is based on like individual behaviors. So our sleep patterns, our diet, our physical activity, if we use drugs, this also takes into account like any mood or psychological assets we have. So if we happen to naturally be an optimistic person that all contributes to our health as well. And then 24% is due to social circumstances. So like our work conditions, our education level, race, ethnicity, if we have any discrimination against us for anything, religious involvement, things like that. 22% is genetic and biology. We know family history plays a huge part in our health, just our natural bone structure, our gender, our age, all those biological things. 11% is medical care. So if you have access to high quality medical care, health insurance, health literacy, all that. And then 7% is our physical environment. So our exposure to any pollutants, allergens, our water quality, walkability around our neighborhoods, if it's safe, things like that. So yeah, a huge portion. And within each of those areas, there are some things that are within our control and many that are not. And so, yeah, when we put hundred percent of the the blame or the responsibility on the individual could be doing all the quote, right things, they could be exercising daily and drinking lots of water and getting enough sleep and eating lots of fruits and vegetables and still come down with a a disease that is out of their control. So I just feel like, yeah, passing judgment on anybody (laughs) based on a health condition just is never a good idea. We are the only ones that know if we're doing our best to be healthy and 
yeah. nobody else can pass that judgment. I love this conversation so much because I think we're bringing up like so many nuances with like health and the the individual res- individual responsibility. And then for me, I always add this piece or what my brain goes to is like also like choice. Health can be a value. And if you value it and for you, it's important, like amazing. And does it need to be like, does it need to be, or as a human being, like you need to focus all your energy to try to be the healthiest version of you, which I think like diet culture merging into like wellness culture makes us believe that we must always like optimize and thrive and do all the things like it's kind of like coming back to that piece of like choice. Like I get to choose and me engaging in health promoting behaviors or not, there's no moral value attached to that. And I think that part, like for me was really hard. Like I could get into that piece of like, weight when I first got it, but then I put all my eggs in that basket of health. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I cannot control my weight, I must be the healthiest. Right. And it kind of, <laughs> we had justify too. It, it makes me think kind of like your son of, okay, I may be this, but I'm doing all the right things. Like I'm doing this, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And then we get to a point where I'm like, wait, okay, no, do we need to justify that? Is it okay if it's not a value? Is it okay if it's it's not the most important thing in our life. And yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think we get that choice too. Health is something also that it doesn't need to be one of your core values if it's not. Yeah, definitely. And I can definitely see like both sides of that argument. And, and if you get into discussions with people, there are heated sides oh my on God. both ends. Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I always kind of try to stay. I'm more of like a middle ground person. So on the one hand, yeah, like body autonomy, we all have agency over how we treat our bodies. And I don't know, I think of somebody like a mom with a lot of kids and, or well, really anybody, let's say, let's take mother Teresa, who's like out and maybe serving others all day long and using their energy for something like that versus going to the gym and spending their time making like really time-consuming, healthy meals. Who's to say what's better, a better use of your time? Like both of those can be good uses of your time. And like you said, it kind of comes down to your values. For me personally, like my just personal beliefs are that I have been given a body, like it's a blessing and a gift. And like, I'm a steward over that body. And so my moral values do include like just caring for that body, taking care of it, I also feel like when I'm taking care of it, I have more energy to serve others and to, to do good in the world. And also you'll get all sorts of people talking about just the medical costs and things associated with people who don't have healthy lifestyles and how that contributes to everybody as far as insurance and things go. So yeah, from a value standpoint, from a personal standpoint, health is important, but I can, who am I to assert those values onto somebody else? Somebody else might have completely different values and priorities and views and you, they want to use their time and energy in other ways that they find more valuable. So yeah, again, it's a judgment thing. Like why, like me personally, yeah, health is important, but yeah. Who am I to judge? I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Like I think everybody to some degree, like I think as humans, and like, I may be wrong, but I think as humans, like we all want to feel good in some way. Like I think our brain is literally designed to like we want to feel good. And for a lot of us engaging in health promoting behavior where you have more energy and you feel better and all of these things, like I think a lot of people have their values, but I really like that discussion of allowing nuances of, and yeah, what if it's not right. And can that be okay? 
Yeah. I heard a quote the other day that I love and I have written this like in my journal, like multiple times since then is like, no one will ever know what's right for you better than you. Something along the lines. I'm butchering it, but what is right for me, no one on this planet can tell me what's right for me more than what I know. Like no one can tell you something for you. That's better. Like, you know, best, you always will know best. No one will know you better than you know yourself. And I think that piece is really cool too. When you add that piece of body autonomy and I get to choose what I want to do with all of this information that I gathered. Yeah. Well, everybody (laughs) has different, different personalities and social situations and gifts and all everybody's so unique. And yeah. So to, excuse me, to think that your doctor, your mom, your spouse, or somebody else knows what's best for you and for your health, even for your body. It's just ridiculous. Like it really is such an individualized personal thing and yeah, something I that totally, yeah. totally agree. I'd love for us to talk maybe a little bit about. So when we talk about health promoting behaviors, also, I just want to say, I love how it's called health promoting. Like it's things that can promote it doesn't equal health. Like no behaviors that you do equals I am a healthy person. Yes. When I like put that out there as we're talking about it. But could we talk about what are some health promoting behaviors, like not diet culture style, just like once we're like not focusing on weight loss, what does it actually look like when we say taking care of our bodies and like doing things that are health promoting? Yeah. For me, again, it's like, what's going to help me feel great. What's going to give me energy. What does the science say? leads to if longevity or just, just feeling great. And a lot of them are just ones that we already know they're moving your body regularly. And an interesting thing about that one is we know that like physical activity, like getting your heart rate up, moving your muscles, strength training, those things are great for your body, but also just like moving throughout the day. Like I have a desk job. And so I'm sitting at my computer often, um, while my kids are at school, I, I work on my computer. And so I just have to be more intentional about every 30 to 45 minutes, like standing and walking, things like that. Just movement in general, certainly contribute to our health. Things like hydration, getting enough sleep, having lots of produce and whole grains and all those foods that are going to help us from a nutritional standpoint. Um, I personally feel like having something like daily after daily affirmations, meditation, things like that, just to help with my mental health that also contributes mm-hmm. to my physical health. That's important. So it was interesting kind of back to my story after I decided like, I'm done focusing on weight. I'm done trying to shrink my body. If it doesn't want to, I'll let it do whatever it wants. I kind of had a hard time because I'm like, well, then what do I f- want to focus on? Because at that point in my life, as a busy mom, I had kind of let some of my healthy habits slide. I, in the past, had been really consistent with exercise and things like that. But at this point, I was just so focused on motherhood. I wasn't doing some of those things. And a big part was we talk about dieting and like intentionally not feeding yourself. But I just was unintentionally not feeding myself throughout the day just because I wasn't focused on my health. I wasn't making sure I had breakfast and three meals and snacks and whatever it was, I wasn't nourishing myself throughout the day. And so I just realized like, I just need to get back to just focusing on those behaviors. So again, some of the ones I just mentioned eating regularly, just feeding yourself throughout the day so that you're not having those intense cravings because three or four o'clock would come. And I would be like, I need my chocolate chips. Like I can't keep going. I'm going to crash here and I can't mm-hmm. make it to bedtime 
without a sugar rush because I wasn't just getting regular nourishment. So I decided to just put all my focus on that and to start really learning about like habit formation and behavior design, because logically as I'm reading these things, like we all know, (laughs) we've all heard these things before, right? We all know that these are health promoting behaviors, but the actual doing of them can be really challenging. Yeah. And so I learned like how to actually get myself to do these things and what it looks like to incorporate healthy habits in a sustainable way. And so that really kind of all shifted it for me. Yeah. I love that so much. That was also something that was super important to me. Like when I left diet culture, because some of the behaviors are similar, right? Like in diet culture, in my dieting days, like eating fruits and veggies were part of it. Yes. And drinking water and moving my body. Right. There's a lot of things that were missed. Your stress, your emotional self, your sleep. Like those are things that I didn't focus on. But then mm-hmm. when you heal your relationship with food and body, and then you're trying to do that. Like for me, it felt super triggering when I like tried to like meal prep again, or when I tried to increase vegetables or fruits or things like that. Cause I was like, oh my God, like this is just like, there was such an aversion to those behaviors because of diet culture and like how like, intense it was for me when I used to do those things. So that's a huge part for me. That was as well as like that piece of intention of like, why am I choosing to do this right now? And having to remind myself every time I engage in a health behavior that this is not related to weight. This is not related to this. This is, I'm doing this because I want to nourish every cell in my body. I'm doing this because I want to feel energized or I'm doing this because blah, 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 blah. But really setting a super strong intentions behind the new behaviors that you do was also so important for me because yeah, it gets tricky to kind of untwine mm-hmm. the reasons why we do different things. And diet culture is stinky too. Yes. Yeah. It really is all in your mindset and your reasonings. Like you said, it's am I, yeah, am I meal planning because I want to make sure I'm getting X amount of macros or carbs or calories or whatever, or am I meal planning because it's going to make my life easier to feed my body throughout the day and feed my kids? And yeah, am I exercising because I want to burn calories and I want to shrink my body or am I exercising because it boosts my mood and my energy levels and I feel stronger and I feel better? So it really does like, that's a huge piece is the intention behind it. And again, like once I decided, like, I'm just done, I'm done doing anything for the sole reason of shrinking my body. Like that's not my motivation for anything anymore. (laughs) Like that just kind of, that all went away. It wasn't an issue for me. I love that. I love that. That is so good. Last question for you before we go today. So if someone is listening to this and is like, okay, like maybe I've left a culture behind, I've done my work to do like a lot of the healing components. I'm like ready to start engaging in some of these health like behaviors. Like what tip would you have for someone who's like wanting to re-engage in this? I always recommend starting where you want, like what seems fun to you? What seems exciting? We have, again, this whole list of behaviors and there are other ones for how to be healthy, you know, all these things, but what gets you like excited and what I always say, the the goal is to help yourself do what you already want to do, not to be like, all right, I really should do this healthy behavior because it's good for my health, but I don't want to, and it's going to be miserable. Don't start there. It's there's something that you've been wanting to incorporate in your life. You're just having a hard time doing it. Then start with that thing and 
there are lots of different ways. There are lots of books on habit formation. I've got a program on it, but there's lots of different kind of, I call them habit aids to kind of help you along your habit journey. And I'll just name a couple of them. One you might've heard of is like habit stacking. Yes. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. It's a really easy one. Finding a habit you already do. And then just adding on to that one, starting really small micro habits. I'm a huge fan of something that's so easy that you, your brain really gives like very little, if no resistance to adding that habit, starting with, like, could you give an example? Yeah. So let's say I really want to get movement into my day. I really want to start exercising more regularly, but just the thought of going and working out for 30, 45 minutes just sounds miserable. Or I I can't think of a time in my day that I could add that Then just starting with a five minute, even three minute, (laughs) just quick walk around the block or quick. They have on YouTube, five, 10 minute Pilates workouts, just something super fast. And just to kind of get that behavior into your life, no matter how small, Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to like grow and multiply a habit than to start one. Starting a habit is hard and starting it and having it be consistent and staying. Mm -hmm. So if you can just get like a really easy, quick win, and then a really important, the habit loop. If we talk about the habit loop, we've got our prompt, we've got our response and our reward. So there needs to be a prompt. There needs to be something that tells you, okay, this is the time to do that habit. And like we just talked about habit stacking can be one of those ways is, okay, after I do this, then I'm going to do this or setting an alarm in your phone or whatever it be. And then you do the behavior and then you've got to have a reward. And a lot of people for these tiny habits, they think, well, that wasn't worth celebrating a three minute workout. Like that is nothing to have a reward about, but it is like you've incorporated a new healthy behavior into your life, no matter how small, like that is huge and something to be celebrated And so the reward doesn't have to be something big or external even. It can just be like a little good job, like good job, me, or way to go, Jenna. You did it. You did what you said you were going to do and and then just keep doing it. And having that reward makes it so that your brain wants to come back to it. And eventually, once you get used to that three to five minute workout, then naturally you very very much likely will want to grow that habit a little bit. And maybe it stops at five minutes a day and that's fine. Cause that's something that's, it's still health promoting. And so I feel like making them small, being compassionate with yourself all along the way, again, recognizing like we're human beings, this is going to take time. It's not a, we're not striving for, for perfection here, but just starting to incorporate those little things really can make a huge difference in your health over time. It's like the ice cube analogy. I don't know if you've heard who is it habit atomic habits, James clear share the example of, so you have an ice cube sitting out and you it's say 20 degrees or something. So it's still frozen. And you increase that by just a degree every day. And you increase it by another degree the next day. And it's not going to, not going to start melting until it hits that. What is it? 30 or I should know my, (laughs) my science 30 degrees or something that starts melting. And then you maybe start seeing results or whatever benefits but it didn't mean that those one degree increments before that point weren't leading towards that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I like that. Yeah. So I like that. So not... it's like all the work that you do without seeing result, it's still, it's still compounding somewhere. Exactly. Like... It's still making a difference. It's like increasing yeah. it incrementally. 
And, and an, another analogy I just want to share too, that I really like too, is a lot of times we get these perfectionists, these all or nothing thoughts. And we think that, and even me, I've been working on my habits and my body love and all this for almost five years now. And again, I'm human. I have days <laughs> I get thrown off track probably more often than not. And so I like coming back to this analogy that the Apollo spacecraft, like when it is heading towards the moon or whatever, it's actually only like right on track, like exactly on the path that it's supposed to be to get to the moon, like 3% of the time. The mm. the rest of the 97% of the time, it's just like correcting. <laughs> so it's, and people can't see my hand, but I'm like, it's weaving around that desired goal. And I think that's kind of how our lives need to be. Like health can be a goal. Health can be a value, a desire, but we're, it's not, we're never going to maybe 3% of the time we're going to be like right on track. Yep. That was a great day where everything went well and all my healthy behaviors happened. It's really just going to be like this pivoting around that goal. And the 97% of our life is going to be just course correcting. I love that so much. So it's just like the becoming and like, we get to stay in that phase and that's yeah. totally okay. Oh, I love that yeah. so, so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really loved our conversation today and just talking about all the nuances behind health. And I'm sure that everybody listening loved it as well. So where can people find you? Yeah. So I have a podcast as well called finding true health where I do talk about habit formation, but also like body image stuff and intuitive eating. I kind of combine them all together. So it is more, yeah, it is more like the gentle nutrition once you're to that point. So if you're an active in an active eating disorder, then I'm probably not the right fit, but I'm kind of the, like the next step, the gentle nutrition portion. And yeah, you can find me on my website, genoweight.com healththroughhabits.com is my program. So just all over the place. Awesome. Awesome. And all of this will be linked in show notes. So you guys can go check out her website, check out her program, all of the things. And thank you so much for being here. Now we're just going to finish off with our fun question. The first one being, what is your favorite food? Huh, it kind of depends on my mood. If I'm in the mood for something (laughs) savory or something sweet, a savory dish that I love that came from. So I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Korea, South Korea for 18 months and fell in love with Korean food. So bibimbap, Korean bibimbap, if you've ever had it, oh, it's my favorite Korean food. Um, so that's what I would opt for if I'm in a savory mood and I make like a version of it for my kids that's not ex- totally authentic, but they love it. Like I, it's hard for me to find a meal where all seven of us like it, but they all love this bibimbap meal. So that, and then if I'm in a sweet mood, I love chocolate cherry ice cream. That's one of my go-to Ooh. favorites. I love that. I love that. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? I would probably, well, I don't, I've always wanted to fly. Like I have dreams about flying <laughs> to this day. It's <laughs> yep. always just been a dream of mine. So that would be awesome. But I also think I would love to be able to make time stand still because yes. I always have a to-do list of a mile long and just would love a few extra hours every day that I could just say, okay, time stop so I can get all the stuff done. So that oh. would be. That'd that be would be like life-changing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is your favorite way to self-care? I am more of an introvert and I'm constantly surrounded by people <laughs> in my house and <clears throat> career and everything. So I just love 
when I am feeling the need to just lock myself away, wherever it be in my bathroom or my bedroom and read a book or watch a show or take a bath just to be alone mm. anywhere or go for a walk or even go to the library and just, <laughs> just finding somewhere to be alone is how I self-care and kind of refuel. I love that so much. And then last question for you, what does balance mean to you? Ah, balance is to me, just when I feel like every area of my life is getting the amount of energy and time it needs to thrive. So it doesn't mean like it's all getting the same amount of time and energy. Sometimes my kids and family need more of my time and energy, sometimes my career, sometimes me personally, but balance for me just feels like those areas are all getting the amount of time that they need to thrive in that moment of my life. Mm. And yeah, I guess balance with health is kind of everything we just talked about, just like caring about my health, striving for great health, but also recognizing that life isn't always going to go perfectly and mental, emotional, social, all those aspects mm. of my health need to be taken into consideration as well. Yeah. Living in the 90, 97. Yep, 97% <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was such an amazing conversation. So I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate being on here. <laughs>